Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, we have to talk about our TV show. That's right. We have a television show that's coming out on our beloved science channel. Um, January 19th at 10 p.m. follows the premiere of Idiot Abroad. Season 3. Yep. Um, and after Idiot Abroad at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time will be the world debut of Stuff You Should Know, the TV show. Not one new episode, but two new episodes back-to-back, 10 o'clock and 10.30. That's right. Saturday night, January 19th. It's going to be pretty neat. What are we doing? What are the people going to see? Are they going to see a game show, which we've been asked? Are they going to see a, um, a a reality show, which we've been asked? No, no Josh. They're seeing a, uh, a, a scripted TV show that um, features the real us playing ourselves yeah. along with uh, actors on a set that we recreated uh, of our office. Yeah. It's basically an office uh, comedy about our lives as podcasters, featuring the podcasting itself. Yeah. And real knowledge and factual stuff. So we think it's a good combination of fun and humor and facts, and uh, we think you'll like it. Yeah, we hope you'll like it. Um, that's January 19th, Saturday, 10 p.m., uh, the world premiere. And uh, don't forget to check out Idiot Abroad, Season 3. Absolutely. It premieres before that. Very funny show. And for those of you clamoring that you don't have TV or cable, you, if you have a computer device, can watch this uh, on iTunes now. You're going to be able to purchase these. Uh, I believe the day after the sh- each episode is released, go to iTunes, buy it for buck ninety nine, and watch it on your laptop. Nice. And Science Channel is so cool; they are making the first episode available for free. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. On iTunes, yep. just to get you hooked. Yep. So uh, we appreciate the support. And now on with the episode, sir. Yes. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and that's stuff you should know. Two of us together. The anatomically correct doll models version. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) I call myself a doll model once in a while when I need a little perk. Yeah. You know? You're you're looking very kin-like these days. (laughs) Sure. Um, Hey, man. Not magic earring, Ken. No. We'll get to that. I like shave can. Shave can, sure. Um, so I know you know this, but I'll tell you again. Back when I was a little pup, mm-hmm. I had this um, series of books that were very, very significant in my life. Yeah. The Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Yeah. And I would get one for Christmas every year, and I would like go through it in the first hour I had it. My legs would be numb. Cause How I'd old were you in the bathroom. when you first got these? I think I started when I was about 12. Yeah. I love that your parents knew that you were just a, a sponge for information even at that age. Yeah, I don't remember how I first came about it, but like I think somebody got it for me and they were blown away at how much I liked it. Yeah. Um, and it really helped shape me in many, many ways. Sure. In the way I understand things, the way I look at things, mm-hmm. like just general knowledge I've had, some right, some wrong, but I, I, like it's been a big deal. Yeah. What you do in the bathroom? <laughs> Reading. Yeah. Um, so... This this episode's kind of special to me because all this material, we're doing how Barbie doll works. Yeah. Al- almost all this material is from Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. They got in touch with us and gave us everything they have on Barbie, and we compiled it into this podcast. And we actually have a special guest later. Yeah. The founder of the Bathroom Reader Institute, Gordon Javna, is going to be joining us on this to talk about Barbie, too. Very excited. And they're also kind enough to give us uh, hats and, I think, shirts as well, right? Yeah, because they listen to us. Yeah. And we found out they listen. I was like, you are kidding. Like, the circle so of life is complete. Like, we hear from Mad Magazine, yep. Archie Comics. Damn interesting. Damn interesting. Mm-hmm. Have we heard from Cracked yet? No. We love them. They're they're the one people, the one people, the one group out there that I would like to contact us. That's it, just the one. Just them and like Barry Manilow. I've been holding out for Obama. I know he listens. Don't even pretend Obama. Just send us an email, will you? You know, I remember when they released what was the contents of his uh, iPod. Yeah, one year, and we were both like, "Oh my god, are we on it? Are we on it?" And we're like, "Of course, we're not on it." No. (laughs) Still. All right. Um, Oh, and before we get started, I want to give a shout out to one of our horror fiction contest entrants. 
Oh, okay. Remember, we said if you publish something, let us know and we'll tell everybody. Sure. Um, Jay McMurray submitted his story, The Mind Reader. It was very good. Yeah, that was a good one. And uh, he's got it up on Amazon.com, and you can search um, Jay McMurray, uh, M C M U R R Y, and The Mind Reader, and it will bring it up for you. Um, he's self published, so it's pretty awesome. Awesome. So, way to go, Jay. Thanks for letting us know. Uh, so, Barbie? Yes. It all started with a lady named Ruth Mariana, who eventually became Ruth Handler. Yeah. She grew up, uh, I guess, kind of poor in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Well, her mom was ill, and I I have the feeling that it was just her mom. Yeah. So she ended up having to go live with her sister at a fairly young age. Yeah, and um, at a a young age as well, met her husband-to-be, Elliot, Mm -hmm. and they moved to California, as newlyweds did in the 1930s. Yeah. With a uh, you know prosperous land out there opportunity, and they had a very long lasting marriage and business partnership. Sixty three years, pretty great. It is great. Um, Elliot turned out to have a knack for creating giftware, specifically to start picture frames, wooden picture frames. Yeah, and Ruth turned out to have a knack for marketing and merchandising them. That's right. And uh, they together formed Mattel. Which sounds familiar, I imagine. Yeah, well, with uh, Harold Matson. Uh huh. That's where the Matt came from. Nice. And the L was Elliot. Very nice. Mattel. That's nice, Chuck. And uh, they also had a couple of kids named Barbie and Ken. Yeah. There you have it. We should just end it right there. The end. That's how Barbie works. <laughs> That's uh, pretty cool, though. It's a nice little factoid. Well, I think one of the things that I think is interesting about Barbie is that the Barbie doll was directly inspired by Barbie Handler, Ruth's daughter. Yeah. Um, Barbie used to play with Barbie the real girl. Used to play with dolls. She had like her little baby dolls, and mm-hmm. she had um, you know little girl dolls or whatever because that's all that was available. Sure. But she also played with paper dolls, and these paper dolls were kind of fashion dolls. So they were older, mature women, and they had yeah. different outfits. And apparently, Barbie was just crazy for them. So Ruth went to her colleagues at Mattel and said, "We need to come up with a three-dimensional doll that you can change outfits. It's going to be a huge hit." And all of the male suits poo-pooed it. They said, boo, boo, sit down. Give me some coffee, lady. Exactly. (laughs) And um, she was like, all right, well, fine. I'll see you all in hell. Yeah, well, they they did poo-poo it for a legitimate reason, though. They said it was not possible to manufacture it. Right. Um, I don't think it was just poo-pooing her idea, although there was probably some of that mixed in. Sure. Um, Luckily, Europe called, and the handlers went on a European vacation in, I think, 1956. Mm -hmm. And while they were in Lucerne, Switzerland, they were in some toy shop, I guess, that happened to be selling a German doll called a Lily doll. And Lily was based on a, um, I guess you could call it a body comic strip. And this doll that was based on the strip was meant for men as maybe to, like, as a, 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 host's gift for a stag party or something like that. <laughs> I get the impression you got them in, in shops of ill repute at the time. Yeah, did you look up Lily? Uh-huh. Looks like Barbie. They, Looks like Marlene Dietrich, too. They kind of ripped it off. Yeah. Although I shouldn't say that because I might get sued. And we should also say, <laughs> as you'll find out why in the not-too-distant future, that every time we say Barbie, there is an implied registered trademark symbol following it. That's right. All rights to Mattel, we claim zero rights or copyrights on Barbie or her products. Right. So uh, Lily was a prototype, and um, you know she was a grown-up lady that you could change the clothes on. And she was like, you know what? This is what we've been wanting. This is what I've been waiting for. It's possible to manufacture these, and I want to make Barbies at Mattel because a woman has choices. And the fact that you can change her clothes proves it. <laughs> right. It took a little convincing, but she got Mattel, the other guys at Mattel, on board. Well, yeah, they resisted because the, of the large breasts on the doll. Yeah, they basically said, no mom's going to buy a doll with breasts for her daughter. Remember, there was nothing like this out there at yeah. the time, at least in America. And even in Europe, the one doll that was like this, that Barbie was based on, was based on a sexy comic strip. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't kind for of little gift. girls. So this is a really revolutionary idea for a handler to be like, no, no, we'll, they'll get past it. Like, this is what we need to do. Got Mattel on board and debuted this thing at the um, Toy Fair in New York City in 1959. Yeah, in a zebra-striped striped bathing suit. Yes. Very uh, alluring, I guess. And her eyes were cast to the side. She can never meet your gaze. Which, as a sidebar, Unless I found you out. Turn, 
It, no, like it'll never meet your gaze. The only way for the eyes to moved. Meet, no, the only way for eyes in a painting or on a doll yeah. to meet you is for them to already be painted looking ahead. If they're painted looking to the side, they'll never meet you. Well, unless you turn the doll to the side. I'm telling you, you try. I've done it. You try it. You've told the story about the painting. I still disagree. So in the Shinto religion, um, anything that has eyes, including a doll, uh-huh. can capture your spirit. So in Japan, a lot of dolls are made with sideways looks, so you can't look them in the eye. And every year- and you keep your spirit. at the Right. At the Meiji Shrine in uh, Japan, uh-huh. they have a doll burning celebration where they burn unused and unwanted dolls so that really? they can't get anybody. That's an environmental nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So Barbie debuts in 1959, right? Yes. They, she uh, goes to Sears because they sold tons of Mattel products at the time. Mm-hmm. Sears said, nah, this thing is too sexy. No one's going to buy them. It's too sexy. <laughs> so uh, Mattel turned out to be smarty pants, though, because five years later, uh, Barbie was a million-dollar doll, I guess, because of all the Internet orders that they were getting. Well, the little kids, find, some stores said, yes, okay, we'll take them, sure. and little kids sold them. In that first year, Chuck, they sold 350,000 of these things, and they were selling them for 3 bucks a piece, which I looked, is 22.83 in 2011. So th- that was a substantial amount of sales for the first yeah, year. So Ruth bad. Handler was proven right pretty much out of the gate. Yes, that is true. Um the the cool end of Ruth's story, actually not so cool because she died of cancer, but she um, eventually uh, got breast cancer. And when she was unable to find a breast prosthesis that she uh, thought was was good enough, mm-hmm. she said, you know what? I'm going to make my own yeah. and I'm going to form a company and I'm going to call it Nearly Me. And they manufacture breast prostheses yeah. for cancer survivors. Yeah. Pretty cool. She sadly lost her battle. But I think she was like in her late 80s or mid 80s. And even after the handlers were basically forced out of Mattel after some questionable earnings reports in the late 70s, early 80s, she's still regarded like this titan of the toy industry, a legend of this woman who like helped build Mattel from scratch and like made it what it is today. Yeah. And I think Elliot just passed away last year. Oh, is that right? He lived into his 90s. That's great. Uh, So we have a few stats here. Yeah. A uh, new Barbie doll today sells appro- approximately every three seconds. <laughs> See, just sold one. Another. Just sold one. Yeah. Uh, it is a $1.5 billion business for Mattel, and the average girl from three to six has 12 of these. That is mind-boggling. A number one Barbie from 1959 uh, costs you about twenty-seven grand these days. Yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, the best-selling Barbie of all time. Oh, yeah. It was the 1992 <laughs> Totally Hair Barbie, Wait. who had hair from head to toe. Yeah. It strikes me as strange that that's the best-selling Barbie of all time. I looked it up. It's it's For guys like us, you look at this thing and say, wow, what a redneck doll. <laughs> like, has anyone been into the Crystal Gale look since the 70s? Yeah. But I think little girls uh, enjoyed, like, styling the hair. All that hair. And all the hair that you could do all these interesting things with. So Barbie herself, if you want to know a little bit of a backstory, if anyone ever asks you, Barbie's full name. Barbie the doll. Yes. Not the daughter. We're no longer talking about the daughter. No. We're talking about Barbie the doll. And this weird fake history. (laughs) Uh, Isn't it strange? (laughs) It's a little weird. Uh, Yeah. That's why we went in and then we're coming back out just for a second. But Barbie's real name is Barbara Millicent Roberts. Apparently. um, Which is my aunt's name. Not her middle name, but her name is Barbie Roberts. Oh, really? Um. And she hails from, not my aunt, but the Barbie doll, hails from Willows, Wisconsin. Yeah? Yeah. And she has friends, specifically and most notably, Ken Sean Carson, who was introduced in 1961. They're both uh, Pisces, I guess. Like me. I think so. And they're both early March? Well, I'm uh, mid-March. I know the cutoff is sometime in March, though, so. But they were both born in March. Okay. We'll call them Pisces. Um, And... uh, Barbie has some relatives. Her best friend is Midge, by the way, who's been introduced a couple of times pregnant and yeah. really caused controversy both times. Yeah, one time with an actual baby in the belly that yeah. you could take out. In the womb. Yeah, that it was. Uh, it's looked upon in Cracked Magazine as one of the horrific toys in history. <laughs> I think it was necessary and educational. All right. What was surprising to me was that she was pregnant and it caused, the second time, it caused waves as recently as like 2002. Oh, really? Like 2002 or 2006. It was fairly recent. It seems 
the world still has hang-ups about pregnancy for some reason. Well, it's probably single woman pregnancy, probably not just the fact that she was pregnant. Oh. I don't think anyone has any problems with pregnancy. <laughs> um, you've also heard of Skipper? Yeah. She uh, was little the, sister. She was the little sister. Debuted in nineteen seventy-five. Then there's Stacy Todd and Chelsea, who are named after the Handler's grandchildren. Yep. Um, and then about Ken, he's <laughs> he's gone through some transitions over the years. There's Malibu Ken, the laid-back dude. Sure. Magic Earring Ken, who we'll talk about a little more in depth. Shall we? Introduced in nineteen ninety-three, embraced by the gay community, mm-hmm. and um, have you seen pictures? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's got a. How um, do you not look up earring, ma- earring magic, Ken? <laughs> no, that's the first thing I did. Uh, see-through, kind of a sheer purple tank. Mesh, mesh, and um, sleeveless. Uh, there's a, a matching purple jacket and a medallion. Doesn't he have like a wrist, like corsage or something too? I didn't see uh, that part. He looked like a, a gay raver. Yeah, we can say that. I mean, like dead on a gay raver. I don't want to offend any ravers out there. <laughs> and apparently, the whole. Um, the the this the fact that the gay community bought a large portion of these things oh sure was a big surprise to Mattel and they're like wait we didn't mean that so they took it off the shelves well they're pretty stupid you know registered trademark registered trademark <laughs> they were making big sales uh, there had long been uh, joking whispers about Ken's sexuality right in pop culture so when they made this one it, I think people thought all right they're finally giving us like the real Ken. And then for them to yank it back off the shelves, it's like, come on. Yeah, well, that's a kind of a thread you'll see throughout is that Mattel is very um, protective of Barbie's image. Oh, yes. And by proxy, Ken's image as well. That's right. Um, and apparently they don't think Ken's gay. Um, Ken and Barbie broke up once, very famously, in 2004. <laughs> yeah, and they got, well, after Blaine, the Australian surfer, showed up. Yeah. They just happened to break up then. But, of course, like all... Noted lovers in history. They got back together in Valentine's on Valentine's Day, 2011. Yeah. Right. And uh, apparently Barbie was even on Match.com for a little while. And Ken designed a cupcake for her at Magnolia Bakery and posted billboards asking for Barbie's uh, hand again. And it worked. They Not got back marriage. together. Of course, she's never been married again. Never. No. Uh, they got back together on Valentine's Day, 2011. That's right. What about her jobs? Barbie's a factotum. She uh, has done a lot of things. Fashion model, astronaut, 130 careers total. Yeah, hot dog a, stand owner. She's been a cop, a paleontologist. McDonald's franchisee. Yeah, uh, was she a franchisee? Because I saw the one where she worked at the drive-thru. It depends. Like, if you really start thinking about Barbie, she owned the place. Okay. But that's a big difference, you know, of the image you're sending out. Like, is she a business owner or is she slinging fries? Well, she's also owned, like, tons of boutiques. Sure. Again, she owned that hot dog stand. Like, pretty much everything she works at, she's owned. I, I That was the impression I had. Race car driver, aerobics instructor. She owned aerobics. Right. While she did it. <laughs> she had a band, Barbie and the Rockers, that formed in 1986. Uh, that's right. I've not heard any songs, but I should go look that up. And then animals. She's had more than 50 pets, first of which is a horse named Dancer. Mm-hmm. She said 21 dogs, 12 horses, three ponies, six cats, a parrot, a chimp, a panda, a lion, cub, a giraffe, and a zebra. And that is it for the fake history of Barbie. Yeah. Because um, if there's one thing about Barbie, it's that she collides with society, both in academic circles and pop culture, like yeah. you said, and every aspect of Barbie has her, her little plastic toes dipped in <laughs> that, some part of our society yeah, at large. Her tiny little plastic toes. Um, and probably the, the group that she's run afoul of the most are feminists, right? Yeah, and uh, this article makes a great point. Like, feminism and Barbie, uh, Barbie? And Barbie co-evolved right about the same time in the 19, early 1960s yeah. is when these things were going on. Yeah, um, Barbie came out in 1959. Betty Friedan published The Feminist Mystique in 1963, right? So they're they're just right there, head to head. Intertwined. Uh, at each other's throats for pretty much the, the whole time. Yeah, because um, a feminist will point out Barbie is, uh, her figure is ridiculous. She's wealthy. She's vapid. She's materialistic. Girls shouldn't even be playing with this thing because it sends all the wrong messages. Possibly dangerous messages. Um, and there are times when Mattel's kind of 
made the point for feminists or just any critic of Barbie. Specifically, 1992 Teen Talk Barbie. Yeah. I, I feel bad for them sometimes with this stuff because... They've I, made some terrible mistakes along I the know, way. I know, but you get... I don't know. You just I picture like an out-of-touch boardroom, and they're trying to do the right thing. Sure. And it just blows up in their face right. over and over. So... uh Teen Talk Barbie? Yeah, they, they recorded uh, this Barbie could talk uh, back to you thanks to a computer microchip. And it would say four phrases, and they had 270 phrases total, and each doll got four at random. Mm-hmm. I love shopping. Let's have a pizza party. Or, in 1% of dolls, math class is tough. Which is a pretty high percentage for just one thing. So, like, the worst thing that Teen Talk Barbie could have said ended up in the most dolls. Yeah. Uh, and of course, um, that perpetuated the girls are bad at math thing and the American Association of University Women said, we don't like perpetuating these stereotypes. Uh, Mattel said, fine, you know what? We'll, we'll pull these. And if you got one of these, uh, I don't like math dolls, you can send it in and get another one, but it was kind of too late. And then the best thing in history happened. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the Barbie liberation organization, uh, struck, they bought hundreds of teen talk Barbies and they also apparently bought hundreds of talking Duke G.I. Joe action figures, and they switched the microchips out in them. That's so awesome. And then they took them back. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of little girls got Barbies that said things like, vengeance is mine. <laughs> and a lot of little boys got G.I. Joes that said things like, let's plan our dream wedding. Yeah, that's pretty great. And there's actually a really excellent version of this saga that's told in a Simpsons episode, Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. Oh, I remember that. Got all this background um, based on Ruth Handler and, and Mattel yeah. and Barbie and, and this um, Barbie Liberation Organization. I'm thing. glad you mentioned that. that- I've forgotten all about that. That's such a good episode. That's a good one. Lisa Lionheart. <laughs> so uh, Mattel and um, and uh, Ruth have always shot back or countered, maybe more politely. Yeah, they're not shrinking violets when you know the feminists are on them. No, they say, you know what? Barbie was created by women. Uh, Barbie has uh, always had, you know. Jobs, sometimes male, traditional male jobs. Yeah, they say she, she, she breaks the plastic ceiling. Yeah, like she was, uh, day night, day to night CEO Barbie. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, Barbie for president, 1992, astronaut Barbie. Um, and they basically said, you know what? She's never been married. She's never had kids. Yeah. Barbie is a feminist. Right. Although, I bet a lot of feminists would argue back, and they have been for years. Well, yeah, but some feminists also actually grudgingly support Barbie as a champion of women's rights. There's this one article I read by by Deb Moore Henneke. Uh-huh. It's called Rethinking Barbie. Yeah. And she points out that, quote, Ken dolls come in several outfits, but really he's just there if Barbie happens to want to go on a date. She does not stand around waiting for Ken to show up. Or if she needs someone to go shopping with her to help her pick out. She's got her friends for that. In the next sentence, she basically said, like, she goes shopping with her friends. She basically does whatever she wants, you know? Um, So she's no no lackey for Ken. Sure. And uh, they'll also point out that, you know what, before we came along, it was just like baby dolls. And all it said was, here, you can only be a mother to a child. Right. uh, Or have a little imaginary best friend little girl doll. Right. There were no adult dolls that had adult jobs and things, not adult jobs, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and even from the outset, I mean, um, Ruth Handler created Barbie with the idea that little girls could use this older doll to imagine themselves in their life and maybe hopefully make a better path for themselves. Um, and that's kind of been a point of Barbie all along, and there's actually there was this one study out of Washington and Lee yeah, like in this. 2010 that supported that, mm-hmm. that found that when the groups of little girls were shown a Barbie doll, getting into um, the the outfit of like a male dominated uh, occupation like a firefighter, yeah, they tended to report that they could grow up to be a firefighter too. Sure. So I mean, there is support for that. Yeah. Very much, um, but th- that still, there's a lot of easy shots that one can take in Mattel is, you know, basically making Barbie a sexualized doll. Yeah, but, I mean, since the very beginning till yesterday, this has been going on, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those lifelong battles. Mattel's never going to back down. Right. And uh, I'm sure the feminist uh, probably won't either, studies aside. 
everyone has their opinion on Barbie. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point about Barbie. I feel like she is a giant mirror for society. Everything that's wrong with it, everything that's right with it, depending on how you look at Barbie and on a much more microcosmic level, depending on how an individual little girl plays with Barbie. Sure. It, it, she can be a you know a tool for aspiration or uh, something that teaches the girl all the wrong things. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, so we should talk about Barbie and race because Mattel has also like made some missteps over the years yeah, when it pre- comes to this. Prepare to cringe. <laughs> yeah, cringeworthy episode coming up. Uh, in 1967, they conceived of a black friend for Barbie, and they called her Colored Francie. I know. Um, I'm not sure how well that went over. It's hard to tell now because it sounds so ridiculous. But I don't know how it was received at the time. I couldn't find anything on that. Um, a- apparently not that great because Colored Francie's not around any longer. Well, Their follow-up <laughs> wasn't that much better. No. In 1980, they came out with Black Barbie. Yeah. That's what they called it. Yep. Black Barbie. Black Barbie. Uh, Ken came out two years later. African American Ken. Uh, Sensational Malibu Ken in 1982 was was uh, was black, and um, the problem was until 2009, until three years ago. One of the problems. <laughs> yeah, one of the problems. Aside from the naming conventions. Yeah. Uh, is that they they still use the quote unquote white dolls and just made the skin tone darker. Yeah, dark hair. Yeah, and they they didn't change any other aspect of the doll until three years ago. When they finally um, made uh, African-American Barbies, Kara, Grace, and Trishel, and they had uh, designs uh, apparently to replicate features of real African-American women. Right. Finally. And have you seen these dolls? I have. Yeah. They're great. One of them looks sort of like Beyonce. Um, That one, that 2010 Washington and Lee study that Mm -hmm. we mentioned, that author also started to wonder, like, how does what Barbie doesn't... How does what Barbie isn't doing affecting little girls as well? Yeah. So the point she made was um, if a young African-American girl goes into a store yeah. and um, like there's not a black president Barbie. Right. What does that tell her? You know? Sure. But like, there's just the white president Barbie. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, again, prepare for cringing because like you said- <laughs> Apparently, Mattel's boardroom exists in a in a cultural vacuum. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, in 1996, they got a ring-a-ding from Nabisco, who said, hey, we need to move some Oreos, so why don't you guys make an Oreo-themed Barbie? And they said, sure, no yeah, problem. For, we should point out, they've done a lot of uh, deals with companies over the years. Yeah, so this wasn't anything big or new or no, noteworthy. No, Coke Barbie, Pepsi Barbie, NASCAR Barbie. It seems yeah. like any time they have a new, you know. I mean, I have a Barbie. Do you really? No. No. <laughs> Josh Barbie. Oh, I thought you meant you owned one. No, no. No, there's a, yeah, there's a podcaster Barbie. Yeah. Um, so they, they contracted with Nabisco and they came out with an Oreo theme Barbie and all was fine. They got a few complaints saying like this promotes junk food. Sure. But nothing big, no biggies, the usual stuff. And then they released a uh, black version of Oreo Barbie. Yes. And that caused some controversy because like you said, apparently their boardroom is in a vacuum and they did not realize that, uh, that is a racial epithet mm-hmm. uh, leveled, uh, leveled by black people against other black people who they feel like are being too, quote, unquote, white. So they're dark on the outside, white in the middle, Oreos. And Mattel wasn't aware of this. No. And they released a um, an African-American Barbie that said Oreo all over. Yeah, on the shirt and like in the purse. And uh, they, they are now a collector's item, of course, because they quickly were yanked from yeah. the shelves. And as uh, Cracked.com put it, they, quote, picked the one cookie in the universe that could ever be construed as offensive ever. <laughs> right. The one cookie. Yeah. She could have been the Nutter Butter Barbie. Yeah, no yeah. problems. Yeah, you're right. Uh, or cracks, right. Um, so Mattel also has – there's a lot of stuff that they do, right? Like in that case, you could, they, they didn't mean to offend anybody. It was just a horrible mistake. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they released an African-American Barbie and they released a, a white Barbie, right? Um they do the same with with um, multi ethnic Barbies from around the world. Oh yes, they've been releasing them forever, and like it's great because you know, oh, there's a place called Spain. Yeah, a little girl says like that kind of thing. It's good for that, but at the same time, it's like the all the clothes they dress them up in are beyond stereotypical. Yeah, like Na- the, Native American Barbie. The Dutch Barbie looks like the Swiss Miss girl. Yeah. 
Um, as a matter of fact, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Vintage Ken from Mexico in 1964, he's wearing a sombrero. Yeah. It's just agonizing sometimes. They're trying to just miss the mark once in a while. Yeah, I get the feeling that the boardroom is not only in a vacuum, but it's a lot of like old white people <laughs> making these decisions. I think you may be right. Yeah. Um, okay, so I would say probably the most controversial aspect of Barbie always from the outset before she was even created yeah is her body yeah that's what kept her from being created in the first place as we mentioned the mm-hmm. uh mattel ceo said y- you can't release a doll with big b- breasts <laughs> yeah i'm glad you finally got that out i just like didn't even know how to say that yeah but that's what they said and since then barbie's figure has been notoriously uh called out as uh unsupportable fake um not realistic and at worst, like, really bad for these little girls and their body image and what yeah. they think they're supposed to look like. Like a tool of body dysmorphic disorder, basically. Yeah, it's like it's not even possible to look that way, they say. It, it, depending. Okay, so what's very interesting, I think, Chuck, is that this design of her body was actually a design decision made by her designers, mm-hmm. who were all women. Yeah. Career women, sure. successful career women. Um to allow her to wear miniature versions of real, like, fashion clothes. So, like, yeah. her crazy hips and small waist, they were designed like that so that she could, she could wear these clothes that gathered at the waist. Yeah. And she had breasts so she could wear these blouses or whatever that were, like, based on real clothes and designed by real designers. Yeah. So it was actually a design decision, but it quickly took on its life that, like, yeah, Barbie's this evil tool that spreads this, um, unhealthy body image to little girls. Yeah, I think it was the 1950s, and it was just like, you know, let's make her full-figured and, you know, a tiny waist, and girls will love it. Or she looks like us. Yeah, what... what? This is just my personal opinion here, okay. if you'll allow. That's all well and good. Since then, maybe since they've taken all these steps to introduce more correct versions, maybe they should release a, like, <laughs> realistic Barbie. Dumpy Barbie? A.K.A. normal-looking person Barbie. I don't think it will ever happen. They I don't have, think it will either. They have made changes to her figure. So she's nothing like she was when she first came out. Or she's not like she was. She's, she has changed some. But for the most part, there there's not going to be a dumpy Barbie. <laughs> not if you call it that. See, that's part of the problem, <laughs> is looking average, you call dumpy. Oh, come on, man. I am definitely not part of the problem. I don't... I, I wouldn't call a normal-looking person Dumpy Barbie, then. I would compared just say to Barbie, you would call her Dumpy Barbie. I think that's definitely – that's the whole zeitgeist behind this whole thing. Like, if if Barbie's perfect, then anything else that's different is Dumpy. All right. Well, I disagree. Um, well, National Organization of Women yeah. would probably disagree, too. They've frequently cited Barbie as, a, a again, a, a this instrument of – Delivering an unhealthy body yeah. image to little girls. Yeah, and like you said, they sometimes they don't make it any easier on themselves. Because in the 1963 Barbie sit-up set, there was a pamphlet called How to Lose Weight. And one of the tips, Barbie says, don't eat. <laughs> and that's it. So they uh, two years later, there was another booklet, Barbie Slumber Party, that said there was a bathroom scale that was permanently set at 110 pounds. Right. And that like same, stuff like that's a little weird. The same booklet was included. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's weird. And even if it's not weird, and again, like if you take just the conventional idea of what's going, what the thought is behind this. Yeah. Um, you, they said, okay, well, what does Barbie weigh? Barbie weighs 110. Well, we can't make a real um, scale that moves back and forth, so we're going to set it at 110 without any thought that sure. possibly this little girl is going to think that if she doesn't weigh 110, like... She's not as pretty as Barbie. Yes, and never yeah. will be, and it will always hate herself for not weighing 110 pounds. It's just yeah. these decisions made without this wider thought has kind of given Mattel this reputation. That's right. Uh, they've done studies on this. They did one in 2011 in uh, Holland, and they said that girls who played with average-sized dolls for 10 minutes ate significantly more during a taste test following play than girls who played with the Barbie dolls. Or a thin doll like Barbie. Yeah, to be fair. And uh, another study, which I thought was pretty interesting, well, obviously they found that it promotes materialism and sexualizes play, but um, this other study found that 
there's more torture play and anger play involved with Barbie, like where the little girl will rip off Barbie's arms or head, mm-hmm. and they found that they ripped off more Barbie parts than other dolls uh, because, as one girl said, quote, she's the only one that looks perfect. Right. So I could see that. There's this huge, huge, massive body of work on the effect that Barbie's body has on the little girls that play with her. And more often than not, they find that it creates a, a poor self-image, body image in little girls. But interestingly, it tends to disappear yeah. in tweens. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, um, say, they're studying girls 3 to 10. It'll really appear in like 3, 4, 5, 6 but then like 7, 8, 9, 10, it'll, like, it doesn't appear as much. It's not as prevalent. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Huh. But you, you wonder, like, what's the lasting effect of those when it hits those three, four, five, and six-year-olds, you know? Yeah, that's true. Formative years. Um, there have also been a lot of studies and reports of what Barbie would look like were she a real person, right? Yeah, they're always a little disturbing. So you said that, like, it's impossible to look like Barbie. Not entirely, but close. Uh, South Australia University um, researchers calculated that a woman's chance of naturally having Barbie's figure was one in a hundred thousand. I'm surprised it's not more than that. I am too. But uh, for a man to have Ken's figure, you have like a one in fifty chance. You and I are, are we don't have good chances. <laughs> uh, and in Finland, at their University Central Hospital, they say uh, Barbie were life size. She would lack the 17 to 22% body fat required for a woman to menstruate. Yeah. So she's so thin, she uh, medically can't even menstruate. Yeah. And uh, the BBC did this comparison of Barbie and one of their employees named Libby. And if Libby were to keep her 28-inch waist yeah. but stay in step with Barbie's other proportions, she would have to be 7 feet 6 inches tall, <laughs> which, again, isn't impossible. The world's tallest woman is Yao Defin, who's 7 feet 8 inches tall. Yeah, but she didn't look like Barbie. <laughs> uh, and then if she uh, kept her height, if Libby kept her height but shrank to Barbie's proportion waist, she would have a 20-inch waist, which is 3 inches smaller in circumference than um Victoria Beckham's waist, who's like a beanpole. Beyond a beanpole, she's got to be like one of the... She's like Vampira, waist-wise. She's thin. Um, And did you see this uh, Ukrainian woman? Mm-hmm. She says she hasn't had plastic surgery. She's not being truthful. Valer- Valeria um, Lukian- Lukianova? Yeah, the quote-unquote real-life Barbie doll. She's a model, artist, and singer, supposedly. And... uh. Just look up a picture of her and prepare to get creeped out. Well, she's very anime. Have you seen her friend that's like the real-life anime girl? Yeah. It, it, she photoshops these. She denies it, but I saw untouched before pictures, mm-hmm. and she's clearly had plastic surgery, and she doctors her photos. Hmm. But um, it's creepy. She looks like a, a doll. She doesn't look real. She doesn't look alive. She's in the uncanny valley, but she's a real person. Yeah. Um, there's a woman named Cindy Jackson who's a Brit who actually holds the record for um, most plastic surgeries in a lifetime, 52 as of April 2011. And she started undergoing those at age 21 after deciding that she wanted to look like Barbie back when she was six. Yeah. So she moved to London and started going under the knife. I didn't see a picture of her, did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? What she look like? She looks Barbie-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned the litigious nature of Mattel guarding, zealously guarding Barbie's uh, image over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You have dug up via the bathroom reader some yeah. notable examples. Um, number one, Paul Hansen in the 1990s, uh, San Francisco artist began selling Barbie art, uh, basically drag queen Barbie, Tanya Harding Barbie, exorcist <laughs> Barbie, having a lot of fun with it. Tanya Harding Barbie. <laughs> I guess it comes with a little mini crowbar. There's dumpy Barbie right there. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, she, uh, he sold about $150, earned about two grand. And Mattel sued him for $1.2 billion. <laughs> this is what these corporations can do. They'll just be like, all right, I'm going to sue you for $90 billion. Right, exactly. In damages. What are you going to do? So Hanson is like, all right, all right, all right. Everybody just calm down. How about this? I will sell my dolls only in art galleries. No more stores, just the galleries themselves. And I will donate all of the profits to charity. And Mattel said, no, we're going to court, pal. Yeah. So they went to court and eventually a judge uh, lost patience, it said, and granted a, a partial judgment. 
and said uh, against Mattel for not having a sense of humor. Yeah. So a little smack on the face, but I'm sure the attorney smugly left with their head held high. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of similar to another artist's uh, case, Mark Napier, uh, who's uh, from New York. He's got a, a website um, that was originally called the Distorted Barbie website. Um, and it was pictures of Kate Moss Barbie, Fat and Ugly Barbie, Dolly Parton Barbie. Um, and Mattel sent a cease and desist letter. Apparently they were a fan of this guy or something. Yeah. Um, I imagine they have people trolling sure. the world for this kind of stuff. No, I mean they sent a cease and desist rather than suing him for a billion dollars in damage. Oh, oh, that, yeah, <laughs> instead of just suing him. But Napier said, you know what? I'm not going to really do this 100%. I'm going to blur the images a little bit and then change the B in Barbie to a dollar sign. I wonder if it's still up. I haven't looked. I haven't looked either. Uh, and then there's Bar- Barbie Bell, a.k.a. Barbara Bell. Yeah, this one is a little, she's a little wacky. She claimed that Barbie was speaking to her. Is that right? Yeah. And and started selling uh, chances to channel Barbie's spirit and answer personal questions via Barbie. For three bucks. Three bucks a pop. Uh, Barbie will directly, through me, tell you whatever you want to know. Well, and um, Barbie sent her first message to uh, Barbara Bell. The message was, I need respect. <laughs> so <laughs> Bell also... This is probably what pushed her over the edge as far as Mattel is concerned. She started publishing the Barbie channeling newsletter. So Mattel threatened a multi-million dollar lawsuit. Bell's like, okay, fine. That's fine. I'll shut down. But first, I'm going to make a statement. Look, she says, for $3, nobody's getting hurt. I don't claim to be the only voice of Barbie, and I'm sure not taking any other channeler's business. I've carved out my own niche in the market. There are 700 million Barbie dolls in the world with no voice. My favorite part is I'm sure not taking any other channelers' business. Nobody else would be this crazy, is what she's saying. Um, This one turned out a little uh, odd, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, In 1997, there was a band called Aqua from Denmark. They recorded a song called Barbie Girl. You know this song, right? No. Oh, here it is. Now do you recognize it? No. Yes, you do. I don't. I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie <laughs> world. It's plastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. You, I don't believe you. I don't think you realize that I don't listen to radio. I don't believe that you've not heard this song. I haven't. All right. So Mattel filed suit, of course, against MCA. So this is actually slugging it out with a big corporation yeah, for the, a change. Right, yeah. Uh, and it ended up as a bigger battle because of that, I'm sure. Because uh, they can all afford big, high-powered attorneys. <laughs> so they sued Mattel, uh, or I'm sorry, MCA. MCA countered, um, and you know what? We're suing you, and we can even bring in expert witnesses that basically will testify that you base this on a little German sex doll. Called Not Lily. Sex doll, but a you know, sexy doll. Right. Back in the day, in the 1950s. And Mattel was probably like, oh. Yeah, we well, did kind of do that. They had a really good point. They said what Aqua was doing in the song Barbie Girl is not to make Barbie into a sex object, as Mattel alleged, but to point out that she's been one all along. Yeah. And then Mattel went, oh. Yeah, exactly. And so um, in a in an ironic twist of fate, um, they ruled the song was protected as parody and tossed out the defamation suit back at Mattel. And then in 2009, Barbie actually recorded a cover version of the song and Mattel released it on YouTube to promote a line of Barbie fashionistas. Isn't that crazy? So they sued them for the song, and then they used the song. They covered it. I'm sure for free, because it was a cover version. I wonder. Sung by whoever does the Barbie songs. This one's my favorite. Paul David? I just felt bad for this guy. He um he was a Barbie collector, a big-time Barbie collector. Yeah, like he was on their team. Yeah, so much so that he published the Barbie catalog, Um, and he, in the mid-1990s, um, wrote in one of his catalogs that if there were an ugly contest, Elizabeth and Queen Barbie would definitely win. Did you see that one? Yeah. It's Elizabeth the first. Yeah. You know. It was notoriously dumpy. Yeah, it was just, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it looked like Queen Elizabeth the first. Sure. But this guy who they had trusted to help protect Barbie's image yeah. had written something snide. And so they brought down the hammer of God (laughs) on him. Also, they point out that there were some, he didn't put the registered trademark symbol next to some of the photos, which is like, if you want to get Mattel after you, uh, just put 
forget to put the registered trademark next to a photo of Barbie. Yeah, we should put that on our podcast title. We I, don't want the Barbie hammer coming down on us. We don't. Um, so Barbie sues Mattel, um, accuses them of copyright infringement, and um, eventually Paul David signed a uh, settlement agreement. And as the Wall Street Journal reported, it stipulated that Barbie may only be portrayed in his catalog as wholesome, friendly, accessible and kind, caring and protective, cheerful, fun-loving, talented, and independent. And what did he do? He was disgusted and sold all his Barbies and I guess quit writing his catalog. That was the end of that one. Which is, that's why that one's so sad to me because he was a such a huge supporter of the company. Like to be such a fan to go out of your way to publish a catalog. Yeah. And then they essentially just like, squash the guy yeah i remember reading this in like many years ago and, and thinking like yeah that was pretty awful yeah but who knows maybe it's a turning point for the guy maybe, maybe he's so. like i'm free <laughs> yeah he walked outside and like talked to real humans yeah uh what about barbie being banned chuck yeah this year actually in 2012 she was uh, banned in iran for destructive cultural and social consequences. Yeah. And they came up with their own little doll. And uh, girls called it ugly and fat. <laughs> I couldn't find a picture of this one. I couldn't find it anywhere. It doesn't look anything like Barbie. It's just a doll. Yeah. Oh, then maybe I did see it. Um, yeah, the one toy seller called Barbie worse than an American missile. <laughs> but I also hear that all over Tehran, like, you can still get Barbies no problem under the counter. But for like 50 oh, is this times. what your, your hookup in Tehran tells you? <laughs> this is what I what I hear. Gotcha. Uh, Saudi Arabia banned Barbie in 2003, saying she was offensive to Islam. Yeah. And uh, even in the States, she can't get no respect. West Virginia outlawed Barbie in 2009, or tried to with a bill, uh, citing uh, emotional and intellectual impact she has on girls. But yeah. I doubt if that went anywhere. It did not. It's time now. Yeah. We are about to talk to Gordon Javna. Yep. The founder of the Bathroom Readers Institute, the guy who introduced me to all this stuff. And we're going to talk to him, what, about uh, missteps of Barbie, some even more missteps? Yeah. Okay. Mattel's got a great and wonderful history of it. So uh, let's let's ring him up. So, uh, Chuck, we're sitting here talking to the guy, Gordon Javna, the founder of the Bathroom Readers Institute and publisher of the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader series. His name's not Uncle John. No, it's Gordon. Okay. He We tried to call him Mr. Javna, and he went crazy. Yeah, he did. How are you I'm doing, I'm fine, Gordon? thank you. How are you guys? We're great. We're fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. We're um, talking about Barbie. Um, and, of course, you know we've let everybody know all the material from uh, the episode today this is a special one because normally we do this from How Stuff Works articles, but uh, we're doing this um, from uh, just stuff that's come out of the bathroom readers. Um, so so we're talking Barbie here. I feel like um, we've kind of done a pretty good job setting all this up. We've, we've gone um, into Barbie and Mattel's, um, I guess, troubled history a lot. We've kind of made it clear that Mattel is pretty good at making missteps. And um, you've you've brought along some some other examples of ways Mattel has just missed the mark a little bit, I guess you could say, with some of their their Barbie's re- Barbie releases, right? Uh, yeah, we we have some examples of Barbies that created controversy. I don't know that you'd call them all missteps. At least one of them is not a misstep, but certainly certainly controversial. Sure. Uh, so uh, the first one I would mention is. Uh, Share a Smile Becky, which Mattel <laughs> introduced in uh, 1997. Yeah, we laugh and then feel bad for laughing. <laughs> sure. No, it's kind of funny. They were actually originally going to call it Wheelchair Barbie. Oh, excuse me, Wheelchair Becky. Uh, but they were they had an eye toward diversity, and this was a friend of, of Barbie's who was um, confined to a wheelchair uh, for an unspecified disability. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, the the doll came with a wheelchair, a little pink wheelchair. And that was fine until uh, Mattel got a complaint from a 17-year-old girl from Washington named Kirsty Johnson. Mm -hmm. Uh, She complained that Barbie's dream house was not wheelchair accessible. But she had a personal interest because she she had cerebral palsy and was confined to a wheelchair herself. So then uh, 
she also mentioned that the dream house, although the dream house had an elevator, right. it was too narrow to accommodate the wheelchair. So this, I uh, think, falls into another example we pointed out earlier in the podcast. I believe that um, Mattel probably trying to do the right thing here, but uh, in the end sort of takes a ham-fisted approach and doesn't cover all the angles. Sure. Yeah, and and their response was to promise a, a redesign of the dream house, but instead they just dropped Becky from the Barbie line. <laughs> very sad, sad end of that story. That is all Mattel right there. What what else do you have for us? Um, I know uh, totally styling Barbie kind of raised some some uh, eyebrows, I believe. It it, it did, uh, and this is the one that uh, I don't know if you'd call it a misstep, but it certainly caused a scandal. They released this one in, in two thousand and nine. Uh, it had a set of stickers that came with it that looked were like temporary tattoos. They had two sets actually. One for the doll, uh, and that an example of that would be the a heart with Ken, the, the name Ken in it. And they also uh, came with a set of tat, you know temporary tattoos for the girls who played with the dolls to put on themselves. Uh, and they were also in, in pa- on the package. They encouraged uh, girls to to put them at their lower back, <laughs> which is what those of us, well, what most people know as a tramp stamp. Right. Uh, so. It, Parents were up in arms because it did two things. It encouraged girls uh, to give each other homemade tattoos, they said, and they also said they t- it was a message that it was okay for girls to do, to do trampy things. And this is one of those things I wouldn't, I don't know that I would call this a misstep because uh, uh, they, Mattel didn't agree and they left it in the, in the line and it's still available. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would be kind of the definition of a misstep. If Mattel doesn't back down, then it's not a misstep. Well, which basically means, does the doll sell? Right, you exactly. Know, it's a misstep if it doesn't sell and, and gets bad press. And can't you see little girls sitting around like, oh, we're out of our Barbie temporary tattoos. Go get a sewing needle and some India ink. Yeah. <laughs> let's get let's get down to brass tacks here. Um, and we talked, uh, Gordon, about uh, Skipper already. Um, we talked a little bit about Barbie's family circle. Um and we, we mentioned Skipper, but we didn't mention the, the controversy that came with her, like right out of the gate, right when she was released, kind of early on in the Barbie saga in 1975, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Skipper was uh, Barbie's little sister, and she was introduced actually in the 60s. Uh, but the, p- the original plan was for them to uh, make her a little older with each subsequent release. In 1975, they introduced Growing Up Skipper. Uh, which was controversial almost from the very beginning uh, because what it was was when when girls cranked her arm, she grew a quarter of an inch taller and she sprouted breasts <laughs> and she got an hourglass figure. And a tramp stamp. <laughs> now you have to put that one on yourself. Yeah. I would be curious to see just the mechanism behind this. I'd like to... I guess I'm saying I'd like to play with one. <laughs> but I would like to see how that worked. I want to see the... The doll grow. I'm interested. That's pretty complicated. If you want to play with it, you'd have to buy one like on eBay, and it would cost you around a hundred bucks. That's not worth it. (laughs) Is that it? That's that's not so bad. There are are YouTube videos of of, uh, the doll in action. Oh, Oh, perfect. You go, Chuck. We'll have to link to one of those after this thing publishes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but again, this isn't a misstep because, uh, as I understand it, Mattel was like. Well, we'll see you all in hell because we're not taking this one off the shelves because, again, it's selling very well. That's that's correct. But they did phase it out. Uh, in 79, uh, they introduced Super Teen Skipper, which was a – the breasts didn't grow, but they were a little larger than the previous Skipper. And then a couple of years after that, they they made her a little bit um, – gave took away a little baby fat, and, and they she became hot stuff. Skipper. No. Was that really what they called her? Yeah, yeah. Hot Stuff Skipper. Wow. Um, so, Gordon, uh, you and your brother started out before the Bathroom Reader. Um, you guys wrote a book about the 60s and the 80s, and you guys mentioned Barbie in that book, right? Yes, indeed. So what did you guys say? We said it was a pop culture book, a very early pop culture book about the 60s. And, and um, we said in the introduction that Barbie was as important uh, a cultural icon as any anything that happened in the 1960s, and we were lambasted in the or lambasted whatever in the in the press or in reviews for you know like somehow 
putting Barbie over the war in Vietnam or civil rights or anything. And we weren't, but we just felt that, that this was going to be a lasting uh, cultural image, and uh, we were a little ahead on that. Yeah, yeah. just laughing now. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about your books. Do you, um, you guys are releasing the 25th anniversary of Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Congra- congratulations. That's enormous. Um, so yeah. what, 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 tell us a little bit about this. Well, um, you know, we never thought we would be doing this for 25 years. And I should say that the actual inspiration for doing the bathroom reader was my brother's idea, uh, to give credit where credit is due. But, um, you know, that first book was 228 pages long. And we, our, our latest one, Uncle John's fully loaded bathroom reader, we, uh, we made it 608 pages. Wow. So it's a, it's quite a giant book, but it covers a zillion topics, and uh, just like any other bathroom reader, only a little more so. So, um, where can everybody find the 25th anniversary? Well, all of your books. Where, where, where's the best place to find them? Well, uh, hopefully, your local bookstore will have Uncle John's fully loaded bathroom reader. Uh, certainly, the chain bookstores like Barnes and Noble will have it. Um, you can get it at Costco, Sam's Club. Get it online from Amazon, or you can get it online from us at bathroomreader.com. Oh, that's great. Cool. We'd love to have people visit us, uh, and sometimes they make suggestions of what we should be including, and that's fantastic. Hey, thank but, you uh, very much for joining us. Um, you guys are doing the 25th anniversary edition of Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. It's available pretty much anywhere you can find a book, right? Absolutely. I will be looking forward to reading it this Christmas. So thank you very much, Gordon Javna. We appreciate you. Thank you, Josh. And thank you, Chuck. Thanks. So long. Bye-bye. Well, Josh, that was awesome. Yes. Thanks I, for hooking that up, man. Sorry I was a fanboy, kind of. No, it was, it was great. Uh, like, if whenever you can get the real people on the line, mm-hmm. and sometimes it happens, you just got to do it. I'm just glad he answered. I mean, like, we were really running a, a gamble by calling yeah. him in the middle of recording. That's true. All right, so should we finish up with a few of the, the more odd Barbie dolls throughout yeah. history? These aren't missteps. They're just unusual. Yeah. And I'm sure there was... Not a marketing campaign behind any of them. There's, t- tied to another country or a company. There is uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds Barbie. Yeah. And this Barbie looked like Tippi Hedren from the movie. And it has three blackbirds attached to her. So they're like perpetually attacking her. Yeah. She's being attacked by blackbirds, <laughs> this Barbie. Uh, my favorite is Pooper Scooper Barbie. And I guess this is to teach uh, girls or I guess boys if they play with dolls. We've been saying girls the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um it's a, it comes with a little golden retriever named Tanner who eats and poops, and really poops. And Barbie has a little shovel and pail to be a responsible dog owner and curb her dog. Yeah, that's what you can aspire to do. That's right. Um, there's the McDonald's one, which we talked about. She's wearing a headset, which I think threw you off. But can a franchisee work at his or her own store? Yes. Yeah. Note taken. To to me, the most bizarre one of all time. I know um, what you're going to say. Is I Love Lucy Santa oh, Barbie. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh, yeah? I thought you were going to say George Washington Barbie. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. <laughs> All right, so what's the I Love Lucy one? The I Love Lucy Santa Barbie is based on a specific episode of I Love Lucy from 1956. And Barbie is dressed as Ethel Mertz, who is dressed as Santa Claus. That's the weirdest Barbie ever. Yeah. She's not dressed as Santa. She's dressed as Ethel from I Love Lucy dressed as Santa. My Like, my mind is mush. Yeah, I think some Mattel like employee higher up was like hammered on eggnog on Christmas Eve watching this George Washington's this episode and said, Oh, I got a great idea. <laughs> and I guess George Washington Barbie followed, or actually that proceeded in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. And that's pretty much straight up. She is dressed like George Washington. In his Revolutionary War uniform. That's right, except that's pink in it. <laughs> There's a NBA Barbie, which doesn't seem all that weird. You can get all the different teams. Right? Yeah. But there's never been a WNBA Barbie. That's the weird part. X-Files Barbie? That's a little strange. Yeah. There was a Ken dressed as uh, Duchovny's uh, Fox Mulder, and of course Barbie dressed as, in a pantsuit as uh, Scully. Yeah. Goldie Hawn Barbie? I loved that Goldie Hawn and Laugh-In. Yeah, that's who it's based on. Yeah, with the bikini and the tattoos. It's just sort of an iconic television figure. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Wildcats, Goldie Hawn, that was terrible. Yeah, or Ruth Buzzy, Barbie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, there's, Wild, Wildcats, Goldie Hawn. Overboard, Goldie Hawn. Right. 
There is a Harley Davidson Barbie. Is a biker chick from head with head to toe leather. That's right. This is weird. Um, and then there's a bunch of other just slightly noteworthy ones. French made Barbie. Lady of the Unicorns Barbie. Civil War nurse Barbie. John Deere Barbie. Urban that's, Urban that's Hipster favorite. Barbie. Yeah, I looked up Urban Hipster Barbie, and I thought it was going to be like some Brooklyn chick with horn rim glasses. Mm-hmm. And it was this. It looked more like uh, uh, Foxy Brown. Like black exploitation Barbie, really? They called it. That's what they called urban hipster. Oh, like big afro, sort of like African American goddess. Wow. Yeah. If it was urban hipster today, it would be she would have a mustache and horn glasses, right? And live in Williamsburg. Uh, there's Star Trek Barbie and Ken. And yeah. Barbie's dressed as Lieutenant Uhura. <laughs> um, NASCAR and John Deere Barbies. Bowling champ Barbie. This one's <laughs> this one's one of my favorites. Barbie and Ken is the monsters. Yeah. They have so much fun, those two. And then, of course, the Pepsi Barbie also had the Coca-Cola Barbie to do battle in the Cola Wars. Because if there's one thing Mattel doesn't want to do, it's to offend any segment of the American population. <laughs> nope. Uh, that's it, man. You got anything else? No, I think in lieu of listener mail, uh, we had the interview... And we just want to say thanks again to Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Yes, thank you very much for everything all these years. Appreciate you guys. Uh, and we appreciate you guys, too, for listening. Agreed. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Or you can send us an email uh, to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 